Welcome to WrestleWolf. This is AEW Weekly. I'm Dr. Damien Gibson and joining me as always is the man who only deals in kayfabe and nothing else. It's kayfabe Matt. Hello. What a what a wonderful week uh, to live in the kayfabe, kayfabe bubble. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. And you're all our bubble buddies, guys. <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty niche. Yeah, it is. It's a little Melbourne joke. I actually no, I think uh I think our friends in the north of Britain also have bubble buddies. Well, I know they do because actual friends of mine in the north of England told me that. So I don't have any actual friends, I just have wrestling shows. So uh you know. It's a, oh, although I think go on. talk about an talk about an insult I'm right here, man. <laughs> well I think I think bubble <laughs> buddies uh, actually became or at least uh coronavirus restrictions became kayfabe this week with Chavo Guerrero, who's apparently in Melbourne, uh, referencing the fact that he's in quarantine. <laughs> so, I, Yeah, and, and lockdown. So, yeah. But What's Chavo doing in Melbourne? I don't know. It doesn't interest me, in, like, except unless there is a kayfabe reason for him to be there, be here. Well, yeah, but, but like you say, like, that he, like him being in Melbourne is now kayfabe because <laughs> it was on Dynamite. So this is where things start to get uh, a little bit murky in the <laughs> Valley of Kayfabe. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 30 years of Chris Jericho wrestling. And um, you know how I know that? It was mentioned a few times on this, on this episode of Dynamite, which, to be fair, was a celebration of Le Champion. Um, and we got, we got a... I really, I re- this is probably my favorite episode of Dynamo for a while. Hmm. I think I'm just going to lay all my cards out on the table. There was a lot about this that I really liked. Um, I also thought it was booked in a way that was just good, like from TK and the EVP's point of view of like, they, it was an opportunity to get some other names on the show that might draw some eyeballs to the product. And they did it in a way that wasn't overly intrusive for regular viewers and and i don't know each time there was like a little vignette of people saying hey chris congratulations on 30 years i was always a bit excited to see who was in there because he's such a random person and has quite different sort of interests so it was like god anyone could show up in these things <laughs> <laughs> i mean it seems to be that his different sort of interests are pro wrestling uh sort of average hair metal and uh you know bizarre right-wing politics so uh i was glad that the, that it really stuck to those first two and didn't uh didn't enter too much into the uh i'm glad donald trump jr wasn't there no well yeah it took me a long time to come back from that <laughs> from that interview but um i don't know if he's overly politically inclined i think he's just yeah, i think he's just an old man you just like hit your fifties and you start becoming a really selfish prick. Yeah, I think <laughs> my view is that he's a rich professional wrestler, and that if you're getting your political uh, political things from him, then like you need to actually start to question yourself, because um, literally the worst person in the world to listen to on politics is an elderly rich professional wrestler. <laughs> Other than someone who has an interest in eighties hair metal. So Chris Jericho actually is has has no ticks when it comes to oh, just want to just want to hear his opinion on this matter. 
Yeah. And when you see who his friends are throughout these promos, <laughs> you get a real sense of like, well, they're just they're just old rich dudes. Of course they of course they're Republicans, you know? Like it's just that's just the way it the goes. The thing I learned from these was that Paul Stanley from KISS refers to himself as PS. He's like, PS, uh here to, here to talk to you, CJ. It's like that's I, I don't I f- find that uncomfortable. Is that a, is that kayfabe that Paul Stanley does that, or is this just a new thing he's trying to push? It is now. We can't. I mean, you can't call you can't call him. You can't be seventy three years old and call yourself Star Child. You know, I don't know why not. Like, <laughs> he wasn't wearing the makeup for a start. Like, so. The guy wrote Love Gun. He can sort of do whatever he wants if he's going to keep performing mm. the song Love Gun at seventy three. Man, it's such a good tune. I'm going to listen to that after we record. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I've spoken about my, uh, boganess and love for, uh, 70s and 80s, uh, soft metal. Um, <laughs> and also like my love of Warhorse probably stems from that as well. So, um, it's no surprise that I loved seeing all the people that popped up on yeah, tonight's I can, episode. I can actually weirdly imagine you having, and like, you know, your, en- you, you being the wrestler love gun and having that as your entrance and, uh. Oh, fuck. That's um, awesome. M- that's awesome. My, re- my wrestling entrance, um, just to just to add to that, is uh, is Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra's "One Velvet Morning." Um. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> I come up through the thing like Cody does. Be pretty cool. <laughs> oh, there's more than one hipster in wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, I know our <laughs> our, uh, our, uh, our listeners right now are like, wow, I can't believe we didn't reference Swan. Yeah, well, that was the opportunity. I thought you were going to say Nick Cave, but that's No, that, that's that would be too that would be too on brand for uh, me. We started off the episode with uh, a whole bunch of young guys talking about Jericho and their influence on him. Um so we had like uh, you know Ricky Starks and and th- that caliber of guys talking about how the best friends, talking about the effect that Jericho had had on their careers. They really go in depth because you know it's only a two hour show, but I liked that. I liked that that we kicked off with the people in the locker room who were learning from Chris. It felt like this was a bit non kayfabe. <laughs> this promo, like this, felt like people were you know shooting brother um, about. Uh, Chris and I was just I don't know it just was like a nice because we knew there was going to be shenanigans with this 30 30 year celebration um, especially later on when MJF announced that he was going to be a part of it Um, but it was nice to see some actual uh, I don't know congratulatory sort of stuff happening for Chris because I mean if he's not the greatest of all time he's got to be he's got to be in the conversation yeah Absolutely. Um, and he obviously, like, I think it was really, no one was looking forward to seeing uh, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager wrestling uh, Dr. Luther and Sir Pentico, which every time they say it makes it sound like two separate words, like his name is Sir Pentico, not uh, like he's a bit of milady kind yeah. of thing rather than like <laughs> my good Sir Pentico um, uh, rather than Serpent Ico. He's a snake yeah. man, not a it's not a, a gentle <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, yeah, no, a hundred percent. the The first match we got was Brian Cage versus Will Hobbs, uh, and um, 
I, look, I really enjoyed this episode, so I don't want to bang on too much about the bad boy, but I feel like the bad boy had a, a bad night for me. The only thing that took me out of enjoying this was three or four occasions where Jim was just going, just goes into business for himself. He, he like, you know, he buries certain things of the product. Like he just, he just doesn't know what's going on at times. Like the, you know, later on in the episode that he, you know, boldly pronounces what the stipulations of a match are and he's completely wrong. I mean, Excalibur <laughs> is essentially cleaning, like he's just on cleanup the whole time. It's like they work in a supermarket and Jim's just like throwing things off the shelves and Excalibur's just going to run around and clean up after him the whole time. Like it's becoming beyond frustrating for me because it's such a good product in every other way. Like there's nothing else that annoys me about it. And I don't is I'd be interested to ask you this question, man. Do you think Jim Ross is actually value adding or adding any value? I hate that term. Sorry. This is that's come from work. Sorry guys. Is, is Jim Ross adding any value to the product? Are people who aren't watching dynamite tuning in because Jim Ross is a commentator? Um, to be honest, yes, I think he is adding uh, value to the product because I think that one of the key important things for them at this point while they're in the building stage is that someone who's a lapsed wrestling fan from, like the whole goal of this is obviously for people who are lapsed wrestling fans from when wrestling was really popular, they tune over mm. and there are things that remind them of back then um so you know hearing jim ross is sort of a safe entry into and like you know if he's still there in another 12 months or another 24 months once they have sort of completely established and you know gotten through this sort of weird corona error and are up on their feet then that would be exceptionally strange but i think now the the brand recognition of him is so important to their um, mm. sort of outcomes, I guess. Yeah, he just buried, like in this match, he buried both the guys saying like, you know, this match won't be Briscoe versus Funk. And, like, and there was no follow-up either. There was no like, <laughs> but they will blah, 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 blah. It was just, it just always sort of feels like he swings in like your grandpa about, you know, about AEWs. Like, oh, well, this isn't blah, 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 blah. You know, this isn't Anderson versus Flair. You know, well, no, it's not. But it's also, it's never going to be if you're constantly shitting on the people who are in the ring, you know. Whether it's purposeful or not, which I don't think it is. I think it's just, he just doesn't know the product that well. So he grasps for things and then fails miserably. And then I jump all over him, which is not very nice. But still, it annoys me. Um this is a really good match. Did you enjoy this match, man? Seeing your boy, I, I liked. I liked Cage. I like Willie Hobbs a lot. Oh yeah, you do. That's um, true. We forgot about your face turn. Yeah, last I just like. I don't know what it is. There's just something about him that I'm like. I just like want to see hmm. him. Um, like I just think he's cool. Yeah. No. I. I agree. Like. There, there's something. It's weird with wrestling, right? Because it's not. Um, I mean, you do, you do sort of, you, you do end up liking wrestlers because of their skill, but there is very much a sort of like first impressions type 
thing with wrestlers. Like, you know, you almost kind of, I mean, you can change your mind like we did with Britt Baker or um, Hangman Page are probably two examples that jump to mind where it was like, I don't really like this person. And then 12 months later, (laughs) Hangman Page is the greatest wrestler of all time. Um, but yeah, there's something about Will Hobbs that is just like, I want to see more of him. And these kind of, you don't get as many of these like big, beefy boys in AEW. So when you do get a match like this, um, I don't know. I was like, oh, this is cool. But also like the two of them can move around the ring in a really lucha kind of way at times. So especially Brian Cage, like he does stuff that he should not be able to do for a guy that's Yeah, he's so good. He's so good to watch. Cage got the win. Uh, Taz gets on the mic uh, and extends an invite to Team Taz to uh, to Will Hobbs. Did you know about this? You're part of Team Taz. I'm not going to go into um, our private discussions. <laughs> How did Taz... Uh, is that why Taz extended an invitation to Will Hobbs? Because you liked him so much after last week's Dynamo? I'm not going to... Uh... I'm not going to speculate on that kind of thing in this in this podcast with these stupid listeners. I don't know. I'm trying to trying to be here. I just don't have it in me today. I I don't I just I don't have that information at hand. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'll stop teasing. So Darby Allen comes out uh, for the save? Question mark. I would have. Uh, yeah. I know Will Hobbs was beaten up in the corner of the ring, and Taz was like, "You going to join Team T- Team Taz?" And then. Darby Allen got involved. I'm like, what if what if Will Hobbs wanted to join Tim Taz? Uh, Tim Taz. Tim Tams. <laughs> Team Taz. <laughs> um, this is, again, a small gripe, but it, it just... Is Darby Allen turning into Poochie? I don't... You're, you're sort of a Darby Allen um, hate is not shared by me. I agree. I just... When Sorry, he was like falling down skateboard ramps and stuff, I was like, why do, why, why do I have to see this? I don't care about this. But like, I think he comes off as like pretty different and pretty cool. I, does the skateboard have to be under his arm at all times? I just, I just feel like that gimmick is being overused, you know, like it's why, like it's a run in. Why does he have his skateboard? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I'm sure that there is a being the le- being the elite explanation in which, like John Silver tried to steal his uh, his skateboard. John Silver, who is uh, by far the best member of the Dark Order, and I'm like really, really into him. Um, he is thoroughly entertaining. I haven't watched BTE for a few weeks actually because I've just. I actually have to work in my job now, I'm the boss, so I can't. I can't just have stuff on in the background. Um, but maybe I should try and catch up on it on the week over the There's, weekend. There but is an, I, there is an incredible the- moment where John Silver it, it goes into MJF's uh, locker room and Wardlow's there, and he just like starts mm. really heavily flirting with Wardlow. And like, oh, I'd like to get my teeth into those muscles, a big meal you are and all this kind of stuff. And it's just exceptionally good as Wardlow's like, I'm not 100% sure what's <laughs> happening here, guys, at this point. like, <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of like, up until I stopped watching, there was a lot of kind of, um, I would call it Stooges type comedy with the Dark Order of like, um, you know, if if 
what's his name? God, I'm completely blanking on everyone's name. Brody Lee, Mr. Lee is like Mo just slapping around mm. the rest of the Dark yeah. Order when things don't go his way. Just- <laughs> um, anyway, I, I really enjoyed all of this. I want to see more of it. I'd be interested. If- I would be really interested if Will Hobbs joined Team Taz. I don't think he will, mm. but um- I hope he does at the start of the next episode, and then like it's all a you know the 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 end of the episode is him turning back, like doing a real like John Cena heel turn where it happens for like about an hour and a half and you know that it's total bullshit. That's what I want. A big show. <laughs> <laughs> a big show turn. Um, next up, we've got more peeps giving Jericho a shout out. Uh, some uh, in, in this one, including uh, Bubba Ray, um, his dad, which was kind of nice. His dad gave like a legitimate little shout mm. out. Um, his dad's a famous ice hockey player for people who aren't aware. Although I think he's probably more famous now because of being Jericho's dad than he was as an ice hockey player. Um, and uh, Slash, which was another like bogan moment where I was like, sweet. <laughs> Although once again, couldn't Slash have filmed this outside a church with the wind blowing his hair as he, like, had his guitar. Like, that's, you know. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, I know. It, like, anytime Slash isn't doing that, though, I'm disappointed. And, and- but I did I did give it the devil's horn and the headbang the whole time he was on TV, i.e., uh, you know, Beavis Can we just get any, any if any <laughs> listeners understand why at six and a half minutes through the November rain film clip that uh, they start jumping into the cake, um, just just email us or reach out to us in any other way because it's just like it's it's narratively confusing to me. It's bad booking. Anyway, yeah. carry on. That's uh, <laughs> bad, bad booking. I'm sure the boys in Guns N' Roses were paying a lot of attention to... I'm sure they storyboarded everything <laughs> at that, you know. They, were really, they, they had a real work ethic at that time. Um, next up, we had FTR versus The Hybrid 2 uh, in a 20-minute brush with fame challenge match. Um, I've brought this up before and I kind of get nothing, um, but I, I like The Hybrid 2. I think they had a really good showing in this match. Their their in ring ability is really really phenomenal. I've liked Angelica since I saw him on uh, Lucha Underground, yep. so I have a real soft spot for him. Um, and I think FTR did the right thing by these guys in this match. By they made them look really good. Like and, and to be fair, the commentary team did did quite a bit to try and put them over as well. Yeah. No, I think uh, I well, b- both of them um, were. Lucha Underground uh, wrestlers. Um, Jack Evans was in Worldwide Underground um, with Johnny Nitro and PJ Black, Justin Gabriel, um, oh. and they're, they're they're great. Like they're just they're really good. They're really exciting. I read something about them uh, that doesn't exist in the world of kayfabe uh, about the fact that they they sort of said, "Look, we weren't actually in great shape at the start of Dynamite, and now we're." You know, we're we're back in, we're ready, and we're our minds are in it, and we're gonna try and be try and be the best versions of ourselves. And I was I was into that. Um, it was I thought this was really enjoyable. Yeah. I think they're really good. Yeah, I really like them a lot. Um, would love to see a Lucha Brothers versus Hybrid Two 
merch at mm, some point. Absolutely. TK, we know. We know you listen. Um, the guys in the on the, the commentary desk are doing a lot to try and put over Tully as far as his role with uh, FTR and being the catalyst for FTR's success and stuff. Really old school putting over here by the commentary guys, but I like that. It works, so why not do mm. it? Um, uh, Jack Evans was selling his knee injury throughout this whole match that I really liked. Um, oh, and the Bucks were watching this from backstage, and of course they super kicked a cameraman. Uh, and they're not even paying their fines now. That's how bad these guys are. Bastards. Uh, so in the end, FTR get the win. Not surprising. But as as we were saying, you know, Hybrid 2 didn't look weak or anything in, like, in this match, and they'll get more opportunities. Uh, best friends come out and tell FTR uh, that the tag, but they've just spoken to Tony TK as they were coming out. So that, that was convenient. Um and the tag belts will be on the line next week for the year anniversary show, which is shaping up to be massive <laughs> for a weekly TV show. It's going to be, it's unbelievable. It's the best episode of Dynamite ever. Is there any chance the best friends beat FTR next week? Sort of, sort of hope so, but I don't think so, no. I think it's it's a bit of, it's one of those weird things where I think if, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but... If Lance Archer beats John Boxley, then like I'm out. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I hate it. Um, like they can't have John Moxley constantly face guys that I'm really, really into, and and lose and, and defeat them, and then finally they put him up against a sack of shit that I don't care about, and just like have that sack of shit win. Um, and then I don't think uh, best like F- FTR are too new into the thing to to be getting there um so that leaves i think big swole and sheeta and um and uh cody and orange and weirdly wouldn't surprise me for cody to lose to orange to sort of like look he needed to beat Brody lee to sort of end that story but cody doesn't really need the tnt title although orange cassidy with a title is once once again a strange thing it'd be interesting to see it would be weird it would be weird. Yeah. It would be weird. Um, yeah. Let, let's, we'll talk about that in yeah. a sec when we get to the TNT championship match. Uh, next up, we had... Um, I don't see Best Friends beating FTR, by the way. Um, I think the problem for Best Friends and Orange Cassidy is that they're, they're like... The company know they're over... But I don't think they would know how much they're over until there's proper crowds back in in front of you know sitting around the ring watching those guys. And I think they're very much they're very much the types of wrestlers. I mean, all wrestlers are, but those guys at the moment are were right. They were sort of riding a wave of momentum of crowd support, and then we've had the pandemic happen and the you know the the COVID era, mm. and crowds are starting to come back, but. Yeah, what am I trying to say? I think they might. I think AEW might hold off on belt runs and stuff for both the best friends and Orange Cassidy until there's a crowd there to appreciate it. Yeah, I agree. Because um, it's kind of I don't know. I mean, it just yeah, it just, like I love Orange Cassidy. Just when there isn't a crowd there for him to play off, it just it's not quite as good. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I think. 
you want to see him have that big win in front of an absolutely packed audience. Like if I if I was them, I wouldn't I I, I wouldn't particularly mind if Orange Cassidy wasn't on TV for the next four weeks or five weeks or something, and then hopefully the crowds are a little bit bigger and you know we get back to that sort of you know him coming out to surprise people to do something interesting. Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I can understand both points of like, well, Cassidy's one about big draws, mm. so we want to have him on every week, kind of thing. But yeah. Um. Anyway, anyway, it's you don't you don't really know what's going to happen in the states until the election happens, and then I suppose they, I suppose they're all kind of just hedging their bets until that happens, and then they'll <laughs> go from they'll go from there once mm. uh, once an, a president is a re-elected or elected. Anyway. Uh, next up, we had MJF uh, doing a promo. He talks about uh, having a conversation where Chris Jericho told him to steal elements of wrestlers that he loved, uh, and MJF turned around and pointed at Jericho, um, which reminds me of a conversation that Paul McCartney had with Michael Jackson where Paul McCartney told Michael Jackson to buy rights to songs because that's where all the money is. And uh, a year later, he bought all the rights to the Beatles. Which, ironically, not the worst um, thing Michael Jackson did. And maybe, you know, we should just all remember that Michael Jackson was terrible at both music and in real life. He did give the rights back to Paul, though, after he passed away, so... He did. <laughs> that Didn't does he? not make it okay. You're like Michael, Michael Jackson redeemed himself by giving some more money to Paul no, no, McCartney. no, no, not Paul at all. I'm not, saying, no, I'm not saying that at all. Did I say that? I didn't say that. I said he did in that story, in that little story, he ended up giving the rights back to the Beatles, not just yeah, well, Paul. When, when Bradley Beatles. John Murdoch leaves his estate to Paul McCartney, I'm sure we'll get the same from you again, being like, look, he, he made it right in the end. And, uh, you know, that's why. I, John John Wayne Gacy, piece of shit, didn't give a single thing to Paul McCartney. <laughs> really, I decide every celebrity's credentials by whether they give anything to the Beatles yes. or not. <laughs> it's, it's probably not far off the truth, really. Anyway, so MJF uh, is basically saying that <clears throat> he has stolen stuff off Chris Jericho uh, and that... Um, he will be out there to help Jericho celebrate tonight. And immediately you think, oh, this is it. This is, this will be it. This will be where they, they go up against each other. Um, and a, an episode that I was already enjoying, I was like super hyped for. It's like, oh my God, it's happening. It's yeah. happening. <laughs> um, next up, we had a, uh, another little shout out section. Um, Don Callis, Gene Simmons, Lars Ehrlich, uh, which I was pretty excited Lars about. Lars didn't, yeah, he didn't 100% seem to know who Chris Jericho or wrestling was. I don't think he mentioned wrestling or Chris. He just kept saying 30 years. Yeah, you would say that though, but if you've seen <laughs> Lars talk about anything, that like that's just how he talks. You know, even in Some Kind of Monster where he's selling his art collection that, you know, in one on one hand, like in one sentence, he's saying, "Oh, you know, I've worked really hard on this, and I really like art, and blah blah." And then, as they're selling the pieces, he has no idea who they are. Like, he, <laughs> you know what I mean? He gets a Andy Warhol painting wrong. Like, I, I just, I think Metallica rock pretty hard, man, on and off stage. Just put it that way. 
I think we're starting to see the, <laughs> the ramifications. All of I was that. thinking when I saw these sort of B grade musicians like Metallica was like, where's, where's, where, where's, Where's John Farnham? Where's Kate Sobrano? Where's John English? <laughs> like, He's not Australian. John, where's John Stevens? So All the Johns. Where are the Johns? <laughs> the Australian Johns. <laughs> so you're saying that everyone should have been Canadian. It should have been all Canadian talent. Where's the... Re- like Atlantis. Where's the remaining Skyhooks? Like, why aren't, why aren't they getting bands that matter out there? Like, is this, like, it's embarrassing to have B-grade people doing, like, it's just real, mm. like, it's lame. Where's Kevin Bloody Wilson? Where's Rodney Rood? Yeah, exactly. Um, some, some comedians. Get some actual laughs on this show. Ridiculous. You know? um, we're going to have a lot of people in England and America furiously Googling who the fuck these people are. <laughs> I or just, not. I wouldn't. <laughs> you do <laughs> Trust me, as an Australian, you're better off not knowing who any of these people are. I might just chuck in like one good one in the in the sort of like in the thing, like you know, what? Why not okay. get into to Sherbet, to Ivor Davies, to I don't know, to someone else who's a sack of shit, John Farnham. I said John Farnham before. There's so many Johns. Mm, you did Su- pseudo echo. Kids in the kitchen. <laughs> Mental as anything. I'm just now. Um, That's what I mean. I, mean. I, threw right. in a, I think Ivor Davies is all right too. Yeah, yeah. Ice House are good. Anyway, check out men. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this was always going to turn into a music yeah. podcast. Check out Ice House, uh, Men at Work, Hoodoo Gurus. That's my three eighties. And <laughs> Swan, of course. <laughs> Give Swan some love. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I mean, they're just boring. They're not bad. They're just. <laughs> They're inoffensive. What concerns me is that, like, the YouTube analytics show that as soon as we mention Zwan, 25% of the audience turns off. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Let's get it. Look, the next match was uh, fucking awesome, and I, I really want to talk about it. We had the uh, TNT Championship dog collar match between Mr. Brody Lee and Cody, the man they call Cody. Um, Cody came out first. I, I just... There's little things that happen in AEW that are important to me, and I know I sound like Jim Cornette when I talk about them, but I think the challenge of coming out first is important. And they were things that were thrown out by WWF over time because, you know, so it doesn't matter if Stone Cold Steve Austin is the challenger, he will get the biggest pop, so he comes out Hmm. second. And I think it's just important to have... I know, I know it sounds really, like, fastidious, but I really love the fact that... And it shows that Cody isn't you know, up his own ass either. That like he comes out first and then Brody Lee comes out second as the champion. It was just something And then like, they I, I thought something sort of similar because they go to they go to Gregory Hammer Valentine who's sitting there and they're like he had this and Gregory <laughs> uh, and they they yeah. they say, Oh, you know, he had the the greatest, you know, most famous dog collar match. Um and they do this really good job of having no history. So they just tie it back to constantly tie it back to like old, like proper wrestling, sort of southern, you know, and it's it's just it makes it seem like they do have history because they can't just like con- like, you know, go back and show footage of the NWO or whatever whenever they desperately need someone to watch. Um but but I can't I was just like oh Mike, there's Gregory Gregory Valentine on TV right now. 
in uh, 2020. He doesn't look too bad, actually. I think he looks better now than he did in 19. Yeah, he's never looked too good. So it's. <laughs> no, well, yeah, yeah, it's a low bar, but he looked healthy. Look, dude, most of those rock and roll wrestling guys, like, you know, or that era, seventies, eighties era of wrestlers. If if they're sitting in a if they're sitting in a chair, compass, you know what I mean? It's like, well, that's a win. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. This was a really this was this was really smart booking. There is a hint of history with AEW through Cody, but that's really it. You know, like they can reference his dad and his granddad and stuff like that, um, in the sense of being a you know, grandson of a plumber or whatever. But they can kind of there is that NWA. You're right. I mean, they can kind of reference NWA and stuff without sort of referencing it. And um, <clears throat> I really enjoyed that as well. Uh, that was my next note, actually. So, uh, Cody, uh, they were just rather than just reading off all the notes. I, I just I loved. The, I didn't think I was going to be into this match because it felt like a real sort of eighties gimmick that I've always, I was always a bit like, oh, you know, like I've seen um, strap matches and stuff like that before, and it's always like oh, the strap just sort of gets in the way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. Um, it, it never really adds anything. It's, you know, like the majority of, it feels like sort of like a triple threat or a ladder match in the sense of like, you have to have really, you have to have two people who know exactly what they're doing for the match to work. And nine times out of 10, that's not the case. Um, so I was interested to see how this worked out, but I think both guys killed it in this match. There were just little things like when Cody went to the, uh, jump off the, the top rope to do his, um, DDT type mm. thing uh, that Brody Lee just yanked him off the top rope using the <laughs> the dog collar. That happened so much. It was a brutal match. There there was uh, crimson mass all over the place. It it went for such a long time. It told such a great story. Um, and then Cody won, and I did not expect that. I didn't no. expect Cody to win this match. At all, and they, that's twice now that they've done this with this championship. Um, and it's not Vince Russo that you know, it's not Vince Russo in the sense of like it keeps chopping and changing all the time. The the belt seems to be sort of shifted hands when it when it needs to be. Um, this might be it's in my top three matches, uh, like dynamite matches for the year so far. I really, really, really loved this match fascinating um i I just think that that cody is absolutely the best pro wrestler alive at the moment like i just think everything he does is so important in a way that almost nothing is um just by his involvement and then you know he can just the guy can feud with anything and make it really matter um like he just had a dog collar match in 2020 and it wasn't garbage it was really good really Mm. brutal really like you know it it felt like something that would have been like done on a saturday night in memphis and like when he won like that they were like well we have to let cody win because otherwise like people are going to storm the ring and like kill Brody lee (laughs) they'll ride um (laughs) like i sort of and i was ready for other than the cody storyline really like Brody lee hasn't done a whole lot um, with the with the title, um, he. I don't think he really necessarily. I don't think he adds much to the title. I don't think the title adds much to him. Um, you know, I. 
I think the problem with the Dark Order is that it's essentially an assembly of comedy wrestlers and Brody Lee, who's not a comedy wrestler at all and not particularly funny, um, being very, very serious about it all. Um, hopefully, maybe he can move on and do something a little bit more interesting and not like sort of a weird Vince McMahon impersonation that no one really gives a shit about. Yeah, it's um, I I 100% agree with you on that. I think the Dark Order still probably has a place in the mid card somewhere, but I don't think Brody, Brody Lee needs to be involved in that. You could quite easily write him out of there by getting fucking Evil Uno or something yeah. like that. To and I I think they made a mistake. Like I think. There was a lot of talk that, you know, it's going to be Matt Hardy, it's going to be Matt Hardy, all this stuff was pointed to Matt Hardy. Mm. At this point, it probably actually just would have been better had they just gone with the fact that it was Matt Hardy, let it be Matt Hardy and, like, let Matt, you know, if it was, like, Matt can be silly, Matt can be, you know, serious but weird and do something interesting with it rather than it just sort of being sort of an amorphous blob of a storyline. Yeah, there's no, there's absolutely no reason why Hardy still couldn't be yeah. the leader. You know, like, um, I would, I'd be much more interested in it if that was the case. And I, I think Brody Lee's more of a threat. Yes, on his absolutely. Own as well, you know, it's just like, oh, he's just this psycho. <laughs> he's this psycho beast of a man who, you know, um. There are a couple other. There's just a couple other follow-up things I forgot to put in here. This was another uh, section where Jr. just completely dropped the ball. Like, um, was talking about how it was a 20-minute match, and it was like there was an open time limit and stuff like that. It's just how he's not doing. Surely there's notes in front of him, right? Like, anyway, um, the positive that I had, uh, Arn did a spine buster yeah. in the middle of this match. Hey, this, you know, a great dog dog collar match where Cody wins the TNT title. That's not enough, right? Well, how about Arn Anderson doing his first spine buster for God knows how long? You get to see that as well. Yeah, they they uh, they definitely knew who was watching this match. Yes. Us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, I, I, I genuinely loved everything on this episode. Um Next up, we had uh, Kenny Omega doing a promo, which I thought was fantastic. He is leaning more into being a dick heel rather than just, you know, kind of wishy-washy mm. heel. He's really... I didn't see much of his run in Japan, but from what I've been told by yourself and other people, that this is more this is more like his character in Japan, right? Like just sort of a cocky, arrogant... Yeah, he just needs to be a little bit more deadly, I would say. Um but, like, he might get there. We haven't seen him in the ring. The Yonks. Yeah, I feel like that's coming. I feel like he's going to be a real ass during this yeah. tournament. <laughs> uh, this promo was great. I loved how he kind of stumbled a little bit when Hangman Page was mm. mentioned. You know, he was all very cocky and cocksure. Uh, and then Marvarez mentioned... Oh, and Kenny Omega is also in the tournament. Uh, how do you feel about that? And it's like, oh, well, you know, if they want to make up the tournament with tag team wrestlers you know mm. that doesn't doesn't bother me at all i mean i'm not worried about that at all so i mean why would it be i'm not like i really liked that little it wasn't as over the top as i'm doing it now it's a bit more <laughs> subtle um i really i i'm i'm all in on this uh tournament to borrow one of your mm. phrases my friend it's um 
I love tournaments. I want to see Omega and Paige real bad. Yeah. And um, they both. It feels like both of them are really sort of shaping up for doing some. Like they've been both been doing really great work, but doing even better work than they have in the last year. Yep, absolutely agree. Next up, we had uh, Big Swole, and I have just deleted that off my notes. Um, Big Swole versus... Can you help me out here, Matt? <sighs> Serena Deep. It was Serena Deep. Serena Sorry, Deep. it took me a minute as well because... Me, not you, not, not you, me. I'm the fucking idiot. I just literally sat there and watched myself. You know when you do something where you're like, why are you doing that? Like, I could see myself deleting it off my notes and then just still did it anyway. Um, Big Swell looked really... Uh, it isn't. Uh, she looked good in this match. She looked good. She looked tough. Um, I really like yeah. Big Swell. I think Britt Baker has done a great ver- like great job in getting her over, and, and herself as well, obviously. But I, I want to see more of Big Swell. Like, I, I like... I like her attitude. I like her promos. I like her work in ring. Um, I thought this match was good. I thought Deeb's probably got some more that we can mm. see as well. Um, a little bit more depth to the women's roster, which is great as well. This match was um, lengthwise was pretty good as well. Um, yeah. I don't really have much else to, <laughs> to say about the match. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I just, like, Big Swell's so good. Like, it's she's, I think I've said this multiple times, but she's definitely a crowd. Like, the crowd are going to go crazy uh, for her. Yeah. Yeah, she's cool, man. Um, you can see her being at the top of the card for the next couple of years at yeah. the very least. Um be interested to see what you think of this. I really love this promo from Mox. Uh, Mox is in a bar talking about how this history between him and Lance Archer, which I think is much needed. They didn't do this the first time, really, and I liked how this sort of fleshed out. Hey, man, like, we haven't just... It's not just AEW where the two of us have butted heads before. Like, you know, we had we had issues in New mm. Japan as well. Uh, and referencing that, referencing the matches that they had or the match that they had, which was, you know... A, Dave Meltzer five star, as you would say, and um, but I also like this, uh, like Mox. I I know we sort of go up and down about these kind of promos, but I felt like Mox was really on in this promo, and it gave this it gave this program a much needed boost, as far as I'm concerned, because I, I just didn't really care about it until this promo happened, and that's why promos are made is to try and make you care yep. about a feud, um, and I did. I really and I like this kind of lucha underground filmed, you know, outside of the ring. Promo yeah, absolutely. Work as well. No, I thought it, I think? thought it was really good. I really liked it. Sorry, you've um you've gone so, you've gone soft on Mox in the last three or four weeks. You've really that's certainly one way to put it. Um, I mean, maybe he's just been less of of a he's just been slightly less boring. Than he's been for the last twelve months. <laughs> twelve months is harsh. I think, like, yeah, no, I get, I, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, but this this promo this promo is the best he's been in a yeah. long time. Uh, it's just kind of there is still a part of me that's like, yeah, but 
It's Lance Archer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope that this ends um, with, like, a lead into a more interesting feud. Who would you like to see wrestle Moxley for the title next? Um, hmm. Like, obviously, they, they're going to do this, a, the, um, this tournament, but I think the tournament ends at full gear, so it's not going to be... It's not going to be whoever wins the tournament is the is the next challenger. So that then you can sort of take Hangman and take uh, Kenny Omega out of it. Um, yeah. Um, that's like I know you're thinking like Austin Gunn, Christopher Daniels. Yeah, all my faves. The guns, Christopher Daniels. Like, who, who do you want to see really? him facing it at, at 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 uh at full gear? Like, I wouldn't mind if uh this ends, Moxley beats Archer at the end, and then Eddie Kingston's crew come down and Moxley's gonna face um has he faced Ray Fenix yet? No. It's only been the butcher, right? He hasn't faced Phoenix or Pentale um, Sarah. Well, I yeah, reckon one of one of those two would be pretty cool. I think you could. I think you could keep doing a feud with those guys, like the Kingston mm. Five or whatever we called them, and um, and have Eddie Kingston have a match against Mox. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like unless it's unless it is a Kenny Omega level mm. heel. I think what I think will happen is that Mox will keep being champion for a while, and that they will really pump in as many TV hours into Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega, yeah. the heel as possible, and then build up that feud and then have Kenny take the belt. Yes. I think that's, that's probably off, um, off Mox, which allows for a championship feud between, well, I mean, you could have Omega and anyone yeah. really. Um, I mean, you could have Mox chase the belt again. You could have Hangman Page again. Uh, you could have Orange Cassidy. You could have, there's a whole bunch of different, uh, there's a uh, Miro. I completely. Oh, I want about to see Miro. this version of Miro uh, facing Mox. To be honest, he needs to ditch yeah. Kip Sabian. Like, I, I, as soon as he as soon as he does that, it'll happen. He'll it'll be a heel turn. Like, I mean, even though he's a heel kind hmm. of now, like he he'll destroy Kip Sabian. He'll murder Kip. Like, Sabian it'd be nice to see and Pac be like. Back. Yeah, Pack for sure. Anyone else that um, here's one for you, and I don't think he'd be overly happy with uh, Vince's Twitch rules that have happened in the last couple of weeks, and also his contract comes out in hmm. two weeks, and that's Adam Cole. Is that Bay, true? Bay. That would be yeah. That would be pretty cool. No one like there was one dude at uh, What Culture who came out and refuted it. Um, but Adam Cole hasn't refuted it. Hmm. Like, hasn't said when he... like. So, it was reported that his contract ran out halfway through October. Um, and then there was an interview where uh, Britt said, it'd be really nice to have Adam wrestling in AEW, which a bit is like, well, duh. I mean, like, they're yeah. together. And so, of course, they would be happy with that. Um, and she was like, hopefully that'll happen sooner rather than later. So a lot of people read into that, but then that kind of then people looked into when his contract ran out, and it was meant to be October, end of October, start of November. Mm. 
one guy in wrestling media has gone, no, no, it's not going to happen. He, he, blah, 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 but didn't cite anyone. It was just on a podcast. He was just like, oh, it's not going to happen. And then everyone sort of just took, because it was what culture, everyone just sort of took that as gospel. But WWE haven't denied it. Like they haven't said that his contract, like no one has come at, he hasn't, WWE hasn't, Brit hasn't, no one's come out and said, He's signed, he's re-signed, he's staying at WWE. Like, no one said anything about that. And if you look at the storylines that are happening in NXT at the moment, he's not involved in any of them and also hasn't gone up to the, the you know, big leagues, to Raw or SmackDown. Mm. I know everyone's argument to that is he's Hunter's boy and so, like, they've made no bones about that. Like, Michaels and Hunter love Adam Cole, yeah. why wouldn't you? And they have invested a lot of time and effort into him. But ultimately, like if he's unhappy, and there's a lot of people at WWE who are right now, and very mm. rightfully so, why wouldn't you just walk? That's true. Um, oh, I mean, that would be great. I mean, the, so on, on on who could face Mox? I mean, I'm dream book. I'm obviously fantasy booking a little bit here, but there's also some. There are some elements of fact. To back yeah. it up as I well. mean, who who could face Moxley next? This is the the most recent rankings still have Brody Lee as champion and Cody on them, but it's Lance Archer, Brian Cage, MJF, Cody, Scorpio Sky. Um, look, I, I don't think anyone particularly finds any of those particularly interesting at this point. No, no, I, I feel like they kind of messed up the MJF yeah. feud yes. in the end. There, there were like it was. It was thoroughly entertaining, but I, if you weren't going to give MJF the belt, I, I sort of, in retrospect, I don't really quite understand why that was done. When, oh God, I, I really can't think of anyone at the moment. I think it's probably going to be another sort of situation where it's like, oh, it's Brody Lee, or it'll be one of the bigger sort of monsters until they can kind of get Kenny yeah. Omega to the point where he's a heel that can go mm. up against Mox. Me personally, the match that I would like to see, I don't have any problem with two faces going up against each other. I would, you know, if crowd like in a perfect world, if there were crowds, I would say Orange Cassidy and John Moxley. I think that could be a fun, uh, I think that could be a fun program. Um, but yeah, I think that's just because I like mm. both of them. I don't know, like, from a booking standpoint, it's probably not that great, but from a demo standpoint, it's like, well, that's probably two of my favourite guys in AEW, so, <laughs> you know, I'd be happy to see it. I don't know, man. I can't really I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. What about uh, what about yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm sticking with Austin Gunn. <laughs> Just think he's a young blue chipper. I'd love to see it. <laughs> For fuck's sake. I genuinely put a lot of thought into that, and you just had a funny joke. <laughs> well done and we're at the end we're, we're at your main event ladies and gentlemen the match we won't bother talking about because it was really just a favor for jericho to be um fighting against whatever the guy's names are um sir pentico and Lou, dr luther luther dr luther stealing my gimmick <laughs> and um uh, the only other thing I really wanted to say before we get to the MJF Chris Jericho stuff is that uh, Paul Stanley. I wasn't. I, I don't know. I was. I think I was slightly more excited about seeing Ultimo Dragon than 
Paul Stanley from Kiss, but it was it was a tight it was a tight run thing. Fifteen year old Damien was pretty excited about seeing both of them. To be honest, well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jericho and Hager get the win here. MJ uh, Chris is about to thank everyone for thirty years of um, thirty years of uh, wrestling. Uh, and then MJF's music hits. He says, no, 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 it's not about me. Cut my music, cut my music. Um, but I do have a gift for you. It's very obviously a man under a blanket. Um, <laughs> and then MJF reveals it to be a clown called Clownico, who is holding a uh, a present that is very obviously a frame of something, uh, which Jericho opens himself, and it's a portrait of MJF. Uh, some real Jericho yeah. work here from MJF, which is fantastic um i was really hoping it was a painting of kevin owens and chris jericho the festival <laughs> friendship painting but um, yeah, unfortunately it wasn't that um jericho looks at the the portrait uh smashes it over the clown's head gives the clown the judas effect uh says i hate clowns and don't ever interrupt me again and then they both point at each other and go ah uh and then aw ends like it's Saturday Night Live, and all the cl- <laughs> all the credits are Chris Jericho, directed by Chris Jericho, produced by Chris Jericho, cameraman was Chris Jericho, uh, which I loved, and it was a perfect rounding out of what I thought was one of the best episodes of Dynamite since they've been on. I think it would be very hard to disagree with that. It was just deeply enjoyable. Like, look, I didn't need to see Chris Jericho moving at three-quarter speed with... Luther, who was seemed to be didn't Luther, didn't seem yeah, to be moving fuck. at any yeah. kind of speed at all, but that's okay. Um, you know, Chris Jericho's value is yeah, not necessarily it was what he does it. in the ring anymore. Um, and you know, I think the build continuing the build on the uh, M, like MJF saying, "I've got an announcement to make next week," and Chris, I want you to be there. Like they are absolutely going to cuck the audience on this, and like it's not going to be some big thing. It's going to be like painful and irritating, and you're gonna be like ah, because they they both love pissing off audiences. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's going to continue, and they're not going to give us what we want. So yeah, I but I, I kind of awesome. enjoy it as well. Like you know, you don't want it to just you don't want a feud this good to just yeah. end. You know, like, um, they could draw it out over six months. I'd be quite Absolutely. happy with that. You know, as long as there's some beats to the story along the line. But, yeah, if we don't get the actual, you know, square off between these two for six months, that's that's perfectly fine as yeah, far great. as I'm concerned. Um, cool, man. Well, I think we can probably wrap it up there, right? Let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh yeah, if you are enjoying what we are doing, you can follow us at WrestleWolf at fa- on Facebook, uh, at WrestleWolfPod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, there is our website, which is WrestleWolf.com, surprise, surprise. Um, or you can email us at WrestleWolfPodcast at gmail.com uh, with long-form articles for the website if you want, um, suggestions, suggestions. Um, yeah, we actually had, I forgot to tell you this moment, we had a couple of uh, suggestions for WCW stuff to do, um, 
probably should have told you that off air <laughs> rather than on air. But anyway, <laughs> during the week from some people. So thank you for that feedback. Uh, we will try and facilitate that in some way. But anyway, um, that's for a different podcast. If you want to hear that WCW podcast, you can subscribe right now um, and you'll get both podcasts. You'll get WCW and AEW. Um, they're all free, but two for the price of one, I suppose. It's probably way of putting it anyway um we will be back with some wcw stuff later on the week and uh, next week we'll be back with another uh installment of AEW weekly Yeah.